Welcome to another exciting episode of Practice What You Teach, a weekly teacher podcast. My name is Mr. Hare, and I'm with my two co-hosts, Mr. Moreland. Hello. And Mr. Lumpkin. Hey there. It is another wonderful day of Anas Park High School, and we are just so glad that you have tuned into us again. I wanted to catch up with everybody and see how you were doing. Mr. Moreland, how has your week been going? Pretty good so far. The end of the quarter is coming up, so that's why you know everybody's getting a little bit antsy about grades and turning in late assignments and everything. Uh, the thing of it is, though, if you turn everything in when it's due, then you're good. You know, and, and oftentimes, like I know I'm guilty of this, teachers sometimes don't put grades in as fast as they probably should. Uh, but in my case, I know that sometimes I don't do it as fast as I should because I'm hoping I'll get more assignments turned in so I don't have to see all the zeros in there. But, you know, you can't always get what you want. So, you know, hopefully the students will turn in assignments that they're missing so that they can get a better grade for the first quarter. You're absolutely right. It is crunch time. So you need to be speaking with your teachers now. Don't wait. Speak to them as soon as possible. Mr. Lumpkin, what have you got going on? I'm glad I'm sharing a lot of the same experience as Mr. Marlin is here. We're trying to get stuff together. A lot of people are, who I've been trying to get going again and again. They're like, oh, well, is it really in the quarter? I'm like, yes. Are we having the midterm next week? Yes, <laughs> we do. Uh, but it's, it's been an interesting week. I, I personally was really, I had a really good weekend this past week, and I got to go see Mr. Moreland's play. How was it? It was fabulous. It was very heavy. It was very serious, which I wasn't quite prepared for as I thought I should have been. But it was it was a really good experience, and I, I really appreciated being able to go out and help support Mr. Moreland. And plus, I ended up also doing a painting competition this past weekend and got best painted. Congratulations. Yeah. It's always good to hear that we're more than just teachers. We're artists, too. But with with all that being said, I have great news. Today on this episode, we have a very special guest, one of our new teachers, Miss Sass. Hello, hello. Thank, thank you, you for, for having me. Thank you for joining us. We're so glad yes, to have you. Yes. What do you teach here at the high school? I teach theater arts at this high school, at Manassas Park High School, and I teach beginning theater and advanced theater this semester. Excellent. Now, you're not going to tell us what the next play is, are you? So the next play, actually, is in the next few weeks, it is... Um, we are doing two one-act productions called, one of them is called This is a Test, and the other one is called Why Do We Laugh? So we're doing two for the price of one. Uh, we'll do one, and then we'll have a brief intermission, and then we'll do another, and it's going to be a fun little night. So I'm going to go ahead and put these on our show notes so that after we're done, I can put that recording in there. If you could give me the name of those two plays one more time. Yeah. So we are doing This is a Test, and we are doing Why Do We Laugh? So I'm going to make sure I have that. This is a test, and why do we laugh? Yes. Well, that's great. We're going to make sure we plug those more than once in this show, because I want everyone to go <laughs> see these plays. Yes. I know the kids have been putting in a whole lot of work, and I'm very excited to see what they come up with. But as you all know, we meet every week, and we talk about a few things. We're going to have some poll results for you guys. We're going to talk about what the poll was from last week and what the results were. We're going to lay out our topics like we normally do. And then we're going to talk about some school news for the upcoming week. And we're going to update you guys on our clubs. And then at the end of that, we're going to have our burning question and interview with Miss Sass, who we're just so excited to have with us now. So to lay out what was going on, we're going to recount our last episode from there. We're going to talk about, like I said, the school news. We have some club updates, and then we're going to jump right into our interesting news story. So let's go ahead and talk about that. Last episode, we met, we had a great conversation about revolution, which I thought I thought went really, went really well. Mr. Budo, he is some kind of celebrity because everyone is listening to the podcast yeah. on that episode. Everyone said he was doing great. What did you think of that last episode, Mr. Moore? I thought it was really good. Uh, it's interesting to have a perspective from Mr. Bruno, who is a very good teacher working in uh, the 
personal finance class. Absolutely. He's been great for EPF. Mr. Lumpkin, did you have a good time when we had Mr. Budo on? I think it was a great conversation. If mm -hmm. anybody didn't get the chance to listen to it, I recommend going back because it was very illuminating to be able to talk about revolution, what people's perspectives on the world and what the world should be and shouldn't be. And just to lot. give just to give students an idea, EPF is, a, I think it's a required course. It is have. a required course. Yes. You must take and it, it to graduate. And it is required for a reason. So it is. if you can get Mr. Budo as your teacher, I know we have other teachers that teach the class that are really good too. But Mr. Buddha is a really great teacher too. So I agree with you completely. Miss Sass, have you had a chance to listen to our, any of our podcasts yet? I have not. And I am looking forward to now though, now that I am aware of the podcast itself. So I will, I'll have to look into that. One tip I want to give you. Okay. Don't analyze how you sound because you sound fine. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, I've, I've been recorded before and I've done a lot with recordings okay, before. Good. So I've tackled that that beast. Yes, so. <laughs> yeah, we, we get a lot of people say, I sound weird. No, you sound, sound fine. Different. Don't worry yeah, about yeah. it. So I do want to talk about some club news. You might tell us what's going on with Game Club and Anime Club this week, guys. Uh, well, for Anime Club, we're trying to figure out what our next fundraiser is going to be. Mm -hmm. And we're also kind of in like a weird introspective point at this time. A lot of the students are grappling with, you know, questions about what the club's purpose is mm -hmm. and what we want to do with the club. And, you know, I think we had some thoughts on even like rebranding because everyone was talking about, why don't we just make a Japanese culture club or club be able to celebrate other things that are going on within the culture. And I appreciate that thought. And I think having a little bit of introspective moment, especially where we're at right now, might not be a bad call. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we're going to be looking into doing another fundraiser soon if if not you know after we figure out other things we're dealing with but for game club um it's been more of the same yeah. uh, at this point right now we're starting to also meet on fridays as you guys may have noticed uh if you hear some shouting going on in the middle of the podcast i i can assure you nothing too crazy is going on people are just playing magic the gathering in the next room next to us mm -hmm. uh but we've started meeting on fridays too at the to absolute demand of my Magic the Gathering players who wanted to get together more than once a week. I believe they're putting together a tournament right now. They've been trying to tell me to get a deck, but I would be absolute trash and probably the easiest opponent. So yes. we'll see. I think you're a little too hard on yourself, Mr. Lumpkin. Um, am I though? <laughs> I think you'll be just fine. I want to talk about. There's also talk of a Smash Brothers turn. That's true. They have been talking about that. Try to figure that out. And I mean, we have other games too. We can we can implement like there's you know tech and Street Fighter, all the other. Of course. Games. Now, are Mario they going to be? Kart. I mean, I like Mario Kart, but nobody's really brought that up. No one has brought it up. Yeah. Let me ask: good. Is that going to be separate brackets for teachers? and students yeah i want it i don't know i, mean, I guess we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see you know we can do that where we have our olds and our youngs playing separate tournaments and then we have the champion of each play i'd be mm -hmm. fine with that be cool yes. to promote that across the school and let yeah. other people come in so i'd be so fine so with that i think between the 75 fine. teachers we can get one person to take down a student I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, i do yeah, want to talk I, about I'm, I'm putting my money on mr chico as the smash brothers chico. you know no. underrated <laughs> underrated 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 so I do want to talk about week eight. We do have senior night this Friday. That's going to be tonight, October 25th. That's against Roanoke Catholic. It is going to be at Cougar Stadium. So come out and support your Cougars. There are other sports. There's volleyball. They've been playing all week. And our cheer team went to a competition on Wednesday. So we are everywhere in the athletics. We want everyone to make sure you get out and support your fellow students. I do want to pull up the interesting stories of the week. I saw that we've got three great stories this week. I want to start with you, Mr. Lumpkin. What have you got for us this week? Well, I know people were chomping in the bed after talking about dinosaurs last week. So I figured I'll send them, give them a curveball. 
I, what ended up coming up this past week is I ended up finding something called a Lagerstadt. Now, Lagerstadts are really important for paleontology, even though it's a really cool German word. It literally just means a place where there's a lot of dead stuff still to be found. And it turns out they have found a Lagerstadt or a decent place with a decent set of fossils that actually explain what mammals were doing right after all the dinosaurs went poof gone and that's actually really useful for understanding a lot of the development of ecosystems because it's been a couple times in the history of life where most things on land aren't there anymore uh extinction events or whatever sure and the one at the kt boundary or the kpg boundary the uh the mesozoic to the paleo basically when dinosaurs died it's still kind of poorly understood if i said that out loud in front of the science community i'd probably get crucified but there's still a lot of things that still need to be answered. Of course. In particular, how did mammals suddenly get the leg up? And they're hoping that with this new collection of fossils that are showing the actual mammal record after the dinosaurs went away, they're hoping to show a whole lot more information about how mammals went from being rats and, well, I should say rats, rodents, small pest-like animals that we consider today, to being all the diverse mammals that we see around right now. So in your expert opinion, what do you think we're going to find? I think we're going to find a lot of diversity. I think we're going to find a lot of uh, smaller predators kind of developing into bigger predators and seeing a little bit of what were the pressures at that point. A lot of what people tend to say is like, okay, well, you're losing all of your main carnivores, your main predators with dinosaurs disappearing. You've got a whole lot of open space for things to survive. I think it'll be very interesting to see how uh, different species developed in that open wide space as far as without niches. And I think it'd also be see, interesting to see how they developed during a period of time where global temperatures were very different than they are today because of the, uh, the process after the asteroid falling, all the, uh, all the other volcanic activity, where I think temperatures on the global were about uh, suddenly 10 degrees colder. Some nonsense like that, I can't quote, don't quote me on that. But I think that'd be very interesting to see how things develop. Excellent. I'm very excited about it. I hope we learned some good stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Mr. Moreland, you always have good news for us. What good news do you have for us this week? Well, there was a young man, a, a boy, 12-year-old, who was uh, shot in his hometown coming home from a basketball game. Uh, or actually, no, a football game in Atlanta, Georgia. And that's not good news. No. But the good news is that when he, he made a recovery, but he's paralyzed now from the neck down. And when his family went to take him home, their house does not have a wheelchair ramp. It's not wheelchair accessible. So everybody knows who Shaquille O'Neal is. Absolutely. The basketball player. Yes. Shaquille O'Neal bought the family a new home. Really? Yes. And he's paying their, their rent for their old uh, living situation until it's, it's paid off. That's impressive. So he was just a resident of the community that was heartbroken by the story. And he wanted to do something to help. So... Uh, in partnership with Papa John's, he bought the family a new home so that they can have a wheelchair accessible house. And they're going to try to help, to help take care of them, get them back on their feet after this. That's amazing. That's really good news for real. It's always nice to hear when people give back to their community. It's good news, but I think it also kind of gives us a, a sense to stop and think like the, the problems of, of communities with violence and, and crime and things don't just affect the people that are perpetrating them or the people that are the victims of the crime that could also affect innocent bystanders who just get caught in the crossfire. Absolutely. You know, so you got to think about that. I mean, if you're involved in something like that in, and 
you think, oh, I'm just doing my thing to get my money or whatever. Like it could affect other people too. It doesn't just affect, you know, you or the people you're attacking. It could affect some innocent person in the middle too. I mean, the people you're attacking are probably innocent too. Sure. But this kind of, you know, goes into the, the discussion we'll have later on the podcast. I don't want to get too deep into it, but no spoilers. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's really heartbreaking because even though this kid now has a new home and everything, like he's also paralyzed. So absolutely. You know. we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on to see if there's any further news. Uh, I had a story as well. Uh, I'm, as I've been talking about quantum computing the last couple episodes, they have now been able to build a single atom qubit under a microscope. So IBM, uh, well known for being a giant computer company, which makes a lot of computers, has been working on quantum computers for the last 25 years or so. They actually won a Nobel Prize for a lot of their research sometime in the uh, early 2000 in the aughts. Uh, but now they have been able to build a single qubit. Now, a qubit is the building block of any quantum computer because the qubit, can, as I've said before, it can be in multiple states at once. So it can be both a one and a zero at the exact same time, allowing it to be uh, calculating things of immense numbers very quickly. They've been able to build one on a single atom. Previously, they were building them on, on crystals, which had multiple complex chains of atoms. Now they're able to do it on a single atom and they're able to see it through an electron microscope. And this has immense ramifications for building that quantum computer that I'm waiting on. Uh, this is the first time that a single atom qubit has been achieved using a scanning tunneling microscope, which is again, the Nobel Prize winning in, uh, innovation that IBM came up with back in the early 2000s. So this is an exciting time. I, quantum computers are gonna be here soon. I can't wait. And when they get here, we'll be able to crack codes and calculate cal or impossible calculus problems right from your computer. So this is something very exciting to me. Now, with all that being said, I, I wanna jump into our next topic here. Uh, our burning question, and I'm glad to have Miss Sass here because I really want to go to you first on this. Oh, gosh. But our burning <laughs> question this week is, what is justice? What is justice? Yes, ma'am. That's a heavy question. That's a big one. I, I think with justice, the word justice, the word or the phrase, I guess, just doing what's right. And, and the outcome of just being being in a situation where you you either give back or you do the right thing, right? Um, like justice, I mean, that's a big word. Like expanding on that, I guess just justice is is more, I feel like justice is more of an outcome word of just the product of doing what's right or what's just and, and what happens from there justice. You know, I really think you, you're hitting on something key is that we tend to be flipping about it a lot when we mm -hmm. talk about justice mm -hmm. because we think of the justice system. Yeah. We think about just somebody, oh, well, it's just justice up there. That's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. You, you, you get, get some get back. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. It is a big word. And I think we need to stop and be mindful of like, is our mm -hmm. society a just one? Is, mm -hmm. is the systems that we're, that we're operating with, are those just systems or am I a just person? Yeah. And so I, I, I think you really hit on something incredible there. And I really appreciate that insight. Mr. Uh, Mr. Lumpkin, tell me, what is justice? So I'm going to try not to step on Mr. Moreland's toes for this one that much because going to the play this past weekend, his play with Nuremberg trials, there was a lot of discussion of what is just, what is justice, what is revenge. That might have been why I picked the topic. That's very smart. Um, for me, I'm going to try and approach this from 
Well, I'm not going to try to. I, I already know that I'm pr probably approaching this from a sort of an idealist perspective because I'm going to try and back out a little bit and kind of approach it from my own perspective. But when I think of justice and I think of what the implication is and what we expect justice to be, it seems to be this connection between a viewpoint that can be subjective mm -hmm. to then a agreed upon viewpoint that is either agreed upon by, by society or is an objective truth. Well, it's hard to say objective truth when you're yeah. dealing with people. Yeah, It's a truth that's accepted by multiple people. For example, like we have this idea that people should not just kill other people. Mm -hmm. If someone does that thing or violates that, uh, that thought, that viewpoint on the world, we're suddenly out of play or out of that, uh, out of connection with the viewpoint that we expect the world to be at. Right. And then we have to find a way to meet that point. Cause that viewpoint that agreed upon standard is just, it's right. I think if we're talking about justice, the way that I end up seeing justice is both the viewpoint that we are agreeing upon in both like the mindset, this whole like social contract that we're dealing with, but also the implication of the consequences that come or that have to be implied to bring back mm -hmm. the scales, right? Yeah. To get back to the viewpoint or back to the uh, just agreed upon situation. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different ways that people can take that because realistically that's also based upon the society that you're in and that agreed upon mentality could also be quite out of uh, out of skew with a personal viewpoint for certain people. Again, if I'm looking at you know, life and death, murder or whatever, that's obviously we should, hopefully, all have similar opinions on that, but there's plenty of other things that we could be very different than what we believe the justice system and what becomes just and what is not just, what is fair or what is not fair. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I actually hit upon the point here, so let me summarize real quick. <laughs> for me, I see that justice is this agreed upon social contract and also the consequences that come when we have to be able to apply or at least enforce that agreed upon social contract into perspective. I think it's a good point because again, people are flippant with the word and you very succinctly, uh, it's about what does the society think? We've had conversations about society before, what does society owe to its people and such. And, and I think justice is one of those things that the society owes you. And I think you make a really great point, which is, separating the justice system mm. yeah. from what society yeah. should institute as justice. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's a really good point, and I really like that point. Again, Mr. Mr. Lumpkin, always always bringing the ideals into it. Mm -hmm. Mr. Mr. Moreland, and I really, I did this because I know you were in the play recently, and mm -hmm. you've thought deeply about this uh, as far as the part that you played with the Nuremberg uh, trials that, or in the play that you were in with the Nuremberg trials. And I, I really was itching to hear what you had to say about this, but what do you, what is justice? What do you think it is? I think it's it's I think justice is relative to the society that you live in. And I think that that's what makes some societies more desirable to live in than others. Justice in the United States is completely different from justice in the People's Republic of China. OK. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can't just easily define that because it's relative. Now, we've set up a society that we we try to make a place where everybody has equal protection under the, under the law. That's not always the case, but that's the goal. And even though we have that goal, we don't necessarily always meet it. That doesn't mean we don't strive to do so. There's always a push towards achieving that goal. 
even though we know we may not be perfect, we at least try to improve it or try to change things. There's people who, you know, call for reforms or whatever. Like there's this constant, you know, meddling with it to try to make it better and better and better and change it or fix it. You know, I mean, there's, there's the whole country has a history of injustice through the law rectified by, you know, Supreme Court decisions, amendments to the Constitution, et cetera. Right. Um, but to relate to the play that I was in, Judgment in Nuremberg, at the same time, we have this concept of innocent until proven guilty. We have this concept that you can't be held to a law that was not a law before you've done it. Yes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's exactly what happened at the Nuremberg trials. And it happened because they wanted to give some sense of meaning or, you know, justice to the people that suffered the atrocities of the Holocaust. Absolutely. The, there was a Supreme Court judge that was asked to head the first Nuremberg trial, and he didn't want to do it. He was very apprehensive. And this is this is all found out after. So we learned this through the expert that came to speak at the play one night. He knew that there was a preconceived result that they wanted for the trials. The most heinous Nazis were going to be executed. That was the result. They just had to justify it by doing a trial. Mm-hmm. And that was wrong to him because they were charging them with crimes that were not actually crimes in Germany because Germany made the rules. So basically they were convicting them for something that wasn't against the law in their own country, but it was something that was so heinous that they made a law afterwards, an international law, which today is not really enforced, but they enforced it through the Nuremberg trials just so they could give society, give the world some sense of, the evil perpetrators of the Holocaust faced justice, but at the same time, the justice was flawed because it wasn't against the law in their own country. So that's why it's so strange because of course you'd want the people who committed mass murder of of a population to face some sort of justice. I mean, it's, it's a heinous crime, but at the same time, is it really justice to execute people for something that they were doing in their own country that was not against the law? And something if they had not done, they would have faced severe consequences for it too, which I think I like that they approached that mm-hmm. as well. That's why a lot of people wanted the military tribunal to be the, the way that they tried the Nazis, because that's a different situation. That's where you say, okay, you've done some war crimes. You've done these you know heinous things. So you're guilty of it. We're going to execute you. It has nothing to do with necessarily the law. Mm-hmm. It has to do with combat. Sure. Mm-hmm. I... I struggle with this because the idea that we should be critical of the justice we mete out to perpetrators is important. Mm -hmm. And I I really do. And that's why I think that play is so vital is because justice is less of a science and more of an art. And the only place where we can adjudicate all that is art. That's why I wanted to bring this up because I appreciated you Mm -hmm. being in that play. And again, I, I think that that's a really good point that they said is this was not against the law in the place where it was committed. I do think there is one issue with that. Um, I, I think that most of the what they did, the heinous acts they did, was outside of their country. So none of the concentration camps were in Germany. Well, so, uh, some were, but right. The thing is, and people don't don't seem to understand this, Germany was literally trying to take over the world. They were. Mm-hmm. It was not necessarily like outside of their territory because they had claimed it through war and battle. Correct. So. And the ironic thing is, is that they hated Polish people, too. But once they started losing people, all of a sudden the Polish people became OK. Right. And they drafted them into the military. So it's just it's just a bizarre. I think it was the whole 
case of the Nuremberg trials was trying to bring some sort of justice to this thing that had been unprecedented in modern times. Right. That they didn't understand and was so heinous that they had to do something to try to say, okay, we're going to bring the perpetrators to justice. But at the same time, like the mindset of the people of Germany to allow it to happen or be blind to it happening is just so baffling as well. It does. And again, I, extraordinary times call for an extraordinary response. Mm -hmm. I don't fault the people of that time for saying, man, this is so bad. We got to, we got to put a rule in the books and then hold them to that rule. I don't fault them for that because if you allow those that would do evil to do evil with no consequence, Mm -hmm. it will embolden others to, to, to do evil. And while I agree with you, it's not my opinion. That's the opinion of the Supreme court justice. And I, I understand it, but I'm just saying like, that's why a lot of the, the, the soldiers, there's a, lot, a soldier in, in the play who has a line where he says, I think we should have done the same thing Churchill said we should do, which is have a trial, a military tribunal and then execute them. And the judge says when they're found guilty. Correct. And the soldier says after they're found guilty, because it's obvious they're guilty. Yes. And again, these are these are tough. They, those were tough times to mm-hmm. meet justice. And that's why in my point I want to bring up is that I, I put it the Plato's Republic, and I'll put a link to it in our show notes. But Plato's Republic is a series of dialogue had by uh, Socrates and some men of the city in, in Athens. Athens was a city where they sat around and talked. That's what philosophers did. We sit, we think deeply about things, and then we talk about it. Yeah. And I, I, I find the Republic so interesting because Socrates poses the question. What is justice? Mm-hmm. And one of the interesting things he does is when people give them their answer, he immediately turns it on them. One man said, oh, it's doing good and being useful. So then Socrates asked him, so what about the artist? The artist isn't doing anything useful. Is he unjust? And it makes you question. The reason why I bring that up is we've been asking this question for 2,500 years. Of the time, the smartest men were, they grappled with this idea of justice. I don't know what the right answer is. At the end, Socrates says, look to the city. Because in Greece, that's what they had. They didn't have, as we have states and nations today, they had the city state. So outside of the walls of the city, we don't know what's out there. But inside the walls of the city, is the city just? And then more particularly, the polis, the people, are the people just? And that's where you have to ask, am I being just in the things that I do? Am I just in every action that I take? Do I, when people bring me something, do I get all of the facts and make a decision dispassionately or do I make irrational decisions? Do I make rash decisions? I, I think that when it comes to just, it's justice is never given. Justice is enacted. That's a quote from A. Philip Randolph, who had a great influence on my life. And it's a quote that I've lived by. It's the email. My email signature is that particular quote, because justice is, a, is an active thing, not a reactive thing. Justice is something we must always strive toward. And you can't just say justice is given. Like we can't just say the judge is going to tell us we're just now. Right. We have to say we wish for this justice to be maintained and we wish for this justice to be enacted. And that's why I take what they did. Like mm-hmm. something had to happen. Mm-hmm. It may not be the right thing, but we're going to say this is the just thing. And, and I, I find that to be fascinating. And as long as we're questioning it, then I think we have done enough due diligence. Mm-hmm. But I think that the biggest importance is equal protection under the law. Absolutely. And that's why I think that the, the Holocaust was such a big problem because A, it was the killing of innocent people, and B, it was killing the innocent people because of things that were out of, out of their control. Correct. And so I think that that's the biggest 
with no protection. Yeah, on the, the biggest, okay. the biggest, the most important thing to think about when you're talking about justice is everybody's got to have the same protection of the law as everybody else, Absolutely. regardless of you know anything else. Yep. And that's something that we're still working on in this country, and I think everybody should be working on it. But you can't always get what you want. So. And I think that's a great point to end on for this segment. We are going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to have our interview with Miss Sass. So don't go anywhere. And you'll get to learn a little bit more about one of our new teachers. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> so, so why do we laugh? Why do, why do we laugh? That's a great question. I think it might have been the it might have been the funny joke we just told. Yeah. Or it could be the play that's coming out. Tell yes. us about the play. Yes, November 15th, 16th, and 17th. Come see uh, Why Do We Laugh? And also, this is a test. Um, both of the emergency broadcast system? <laughs> no, 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 no. Beep. Oh. <laughs> no. Tell us about, is that play going to be the same day? So, yes, it is going to be almost like a double feature. So the reason I chose to do uh, two one-act shows instead of just one full-length production is to provide more opportunity for the students um, to come and audition and get involved in theater. So we are doing uh, two one-acts. One is Why Do We Laugh, which is about the same couple throughout time. So it's um, Andrew and Meredith Wilfred, Andrew Powers, Meredith Wilfred. Um, it's about them at the age of four and five, and then when they're teenagers, and then when they're adults, and when they're an elderly couple. So if you want to get more from that, please come to the school on November 15th, 16th, 17th. Is that the last day? Yes, yes. And come watch our students perform Why Do We Laugh and this is a test. How much are tickets? Tickets, um, I'm pretty sure we're selling them at $7. I'm pretty sure is what we're selling them at this season. Wow. So yeah. Excellent, we can't wait to see you there. So now we are back with our brand new segment where we interview one of the student body. And today we have Joseph Florian. How are you doing today, Joseph? Pretty good. So we're gonna ask you a couple questions, is that okay? Yeah. No, we want you to answer them truthfully. I will. But the first question we want to ask you is, how's your semester been going? Pretty good. Class is doing right, fine. I'm doing, I'm doing all my homework, all my grades are they're okay. That's excellent. Who's your Smash Brothers main? Uh, I'm now trying to change my Smash Brothers main, but it's Lucario. Excellent. What grade are you in, Joseph? 12th grade. You're a senior. Yes. Are you ready to graduate? No. Not yet? Not yet. No, because all my, mostly all my friends are juniors and sophomores but some are seniors like me well they're gonna miss you either way but we still have a lot of time left true so we have our final question oh man have you thought about it yes are you ready yes mr. Moreland I'd like you to do the honors Joseph what is your favorite class this semester and why Miss Ringo's classroom mm. Christine Stringros. okay and what class is that is reading because my reading level are not that good and she's helping me every day to get better and i'm so grateful that she always does and she's always cheerful and so excited almost every day that i see her well good i'm glad you're getting better at your reading that's going to be very important for you later on true well we'd like to thank you for joining us today joseph thanks yeah, thank you joseph thank you joseph and we are back for 
another segment of Practice What You Teach, a weekly teacher podcast. This is going to be our interview segment with Miss Sass, who we are very grateful that joined us. We're going to ask you a few questions. Is that okay? Sounds good to me. Excellent. So the first question we always ask anyone is, where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? I actually grew up in upstate New York. Um, but then around uh, third grade, I moved to North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina. So I grew up um, in Raleigh until I moved off to college. Excellent. And speaking of which, where did you go to school? I went to Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina. Mountaineers. Yes, the Mountaineers. Roll Mountaineers. Um, a right. lot of people have been calling it Appalachian. I would like to use this platform to let everyone know that it is, in fact, Appalachian State University, not Appalachian. So I would like for everyone to make sure they get their enunciations correct. Exactly. <laughs> what inspired you to go into education? Um, well, my mom um, is a teacher. And oh, wow. she she taught for a very long time. She taught third and fourth and fifth grade. And now she is an assistant principal in North Carolina. But teaching has always been a portion of my life. Um, and so as theater, I did theater in high school, all of high school. And I always wanted to teach and perform and also direct. And I thought teaching was the best medium for me to do all three. So, yeah, I've always wanted to teach something that I'm passionate about, something that I love doing. And theater was the fit. So that's why I'm a teacher and I teach theater. Excellent. Yeah. What do you think is the role of a school? It's a big question. I, I think the role of a school, it serves as a place of development. I feel like a school is a place where students come and they not only learn about English, math, science, social studies, but they learn how to grow as people and they learn how to develop into being, you know, good humans and doing good things. And they learn life skills. I think a school is a place that is more than just, you know, a curriculum. It's a place where you learn things that you will take with you for the rest of your life. And that's why I love teaching theater, because I feel like theater is a great means of, even though it's a performance skill, you learn so many other social skills like public speaking and etiquette and so many other things that you will use uh, for the rest of your life. So I feel like school is a place where kids develop and they learn and they grow and it's it's a place that institutes development. That's how I visualize a school. Excellent. And our final question, oh this one's very important to me, mm -hmm. um, but what are three books that have influenced you that mm -hmm. you would recommend to the student body? Okay. So three books that have influenced me. I'm gonna I'm gonna twist it a little bit. Absolutely. And I'm gonna say three plays, right? Because that's even better. Plays, you know, being a theater teacher, I think that you know it's important to read different means of books, and plays are just as important. So I'm gonna say three plays that I cherish and that are great reads. Um, for the students out there, I think that you should try reading a Shakespeare book. Specifically, I, I would recommend Taming of the Shrew. Taming of the Shrew by William Shakespeare. Um, a lot of students have already read Romeo and Juliet. In fact, we just finished reading Romeo and Juliet in um, theater one, beginning theater. So I would say branch out and read Taming of the Shrew. That's a good read. I've always loved Taming of the Shrew. I was actually in Taming of the Shrew in high school and I always, I love the language. Excellent. So I'd say Taming of the Shrew. Um, and for my advanced theater kids out there, I would uh, say start reading up on your pedagogy and reading up on some technique work. So two of my favorite um, books that I love are written by Stella Adler and Uta Hagen. Stella Adler's book 
is The Art of Acting. It's a lot of good technique study. She talks about um, using the imagination and the power of using your imagination. So I highly recommend that. And then the book written by Uta Hagen is Respect for Acting. And Uta Hagen focuses on um, a lot of just using your past experiences and past memories to create art and um, create good theater. So for my theater nerds out there, I recommend those three. And yeah, those are some of my favorite books that have helped me get through. Excellent. So yeah. I want to make sure I have those right. That's Taming of the Shrew, Taming the Play of the Shrew, yes. by William Shakespeare. Yes. The Art of Acting by Stella Adler. Yes. And then Respect for Acting by Uta Agha. Yes, Uta Hagen. Yeah. Uta Hagen. Uta Hagen, yes. Very, very German. Well, you'll be happy to know we actually plan on reading The Taming of the Shrew in our English 10 class this year. We've done it before. We've done, we did Julius Caesar last year, mm -hmm. but we'll be going back to Taming of the Shrew again this year. So. I love Taming of the Shrew, yes. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. So now with that, we're going to go into some final thoughts. Okay. Uh, we did not get any feedback, but we did get some poll results. <laughs> Mr. Moreland, tell us what the poll was last week and what is it this? What were the results? The poll last week was should Pluto be a planet? Okay. And I messed up because I, I said at NASA. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we only had two votes and both of them said no. What? <laughs> so I'm very upset. Yeah. I'm, I'm part of the, Put the Pluto posse. I understand. Who wants to wants to have Pluto back on the planet list? I do. I would have yeah. Pluto back. I think Pluto deserves to be back. Well, we're going to have to talk to the powers that be <laughs> and make that happen. You know what? It's still a planet to me. That's good. Me you too. know what? Like a That's what yeah. it is. Pluto is no. still a planet. It's still a planet. Disney's going to be very confused when they see that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what should our poll be this week? Well, mm. I don't know. We've talked about plays a lot this week. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. I don't know how many plays our students would know or be aware of. Well, we can we can have a poll about which Shakespeare play that you've read in school is your favorite. We should do that. Yeah, that'd I like be that. interesting. Yeah, because there's only a few that we actually teach in school. Hamlet is one. Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. Julius Caesar. Taming of the Shrew. Taming of the Shrew. We did amount. Macbeth when I was in high school. I don't know. If yes, you guys Macbeth did that or was not. taught. Uh, in previous Such years, by Miss Miss Cook, who used to be a teacher here. Absolutely. So I'm not sure. So you can pick four plays. So yeah, we'll pick four, and then we'll put those on there. Absolutely, I'm fine with that. So this week's poll is going to be: Which of the four following Shakespeare plays is your favorite? You want to make sure you go to our Twitter page, which is at PWUT Podcast or P What P What Podcast. You can follow us there to get all of our latest news and all of our weekly polls. We actually got a shout out from another podcast. I can't remember their name. Mr. Moreland, do you have the name of that podcast that shouted us out? No, I don't. Oh, man. <laughs> That's sad. But we see you and we hear you and we are grateful that you found us through the wild and crazy internet. Miss Sass, it has been just awesome. Do you have any thought-provoking things? You, any last any things last you want to point out? You want to tell us when that play is going to be again? Yeah, that play, yes, absolutely. That play is going to be November 15th, 16th, and 17th. It's going to be a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday matinee. So come out and see the fall show. We would appreciate it greatly, all of your support. Yeah, I just want to say thank you. This has been a great experience. I love I love that you guys do this. We are glad to have you. We were so glad you would make time for us. And I hope we're glad you had a great time. I did. I did. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Mr. Lumpkin, any final thoughts for the people? The only final thoughts that I can have are the ones that have been on the back of my mind for the last week. And I, I could give context to people last, but when you find an opportunity, when you see an opportunity, 
take it. It's going to be worth it if you know in your heart and your gut that you really want to go through with it. Great advice. Yes. Mr. Moreland, anything you want to lead out with today? Um, I don't think so. I think I'm, I'm good. But just remember, uh, quarter one ends next mm-hmm. Friday. That's right. Oh, so if you haven't turned in. anything in that you're missing. Now's the time. Yes, yes. because here's I, this is what I told my students. If it's for quarter one and you don't turn it in by Friday, even if I wanted to, I can't put it in. Yeah. Because grades are finalized for quarter one. That's right. So, exactly. Now's the time. And it's 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 it makes it easier for you to pass the class if you start strong than instead of worrying about it at the end of the, the semester. Mm-hmm. So make it easier on yourself by having a good grade to start with. So you don't have to worry about, you know, working harder than you need to to get a good grade for the end of the semester. I'm gonna have plenty of kids probably pop in and out of anime club trying to get this last minute assistance next week. So there you yeah. go. That's a good thing though. It's a good thing. There it is. Yeah. My last thought for everybody, as always, make sure you get out there, do what you can, take some time for yourself, make some time for someone else. Do a good thing. Go hug a cat. Make sure you guys there's a lot come the winter's coming. Make sure you do what you can to know that you're going to be prepared for the winter so we can come through in the spring. With that, as always, thank you for listening. Good night and good luck. <laughs> <laughs>